Before we jump in, I want to thank my friends over at Samaritan Ministries for sponsoring today's podcast. Don't be limited by networks when it comes to choosing your healthcare provider. There is another way. Samaritan Ministries is a community of Christians who pay one another's medical bills without the use of insurance. As a member, you'll have a biblical, affordable way to pay your medical needs where you're free to choose from the doctors, the treatments, and the hospitals that are best for you and your family when and where you need them. After care is received, your medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries and they'll notify members to pray and send money directly to you to help you pay those bills. Members also have access to an online community of support and health resources to help keep medical bills and prescription costs low through discounts and fair pricing. Healthcare freedom can be yours today. You can see how by going to samaritanministries.org forward slash dad tired. Again, that's samaritanministries.org forward slash dad tired. Ben, super fun to hang out with you today, man. You and I got a chance to hang out last week together, which was really cool. And probably the biggest thing that stuck out to me was how small you are. Yeah. Yeah. So I just couldn't really figure out like why they call you Big Ben. That was the, that was the, I know, like close to the same height, I think. And size. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, this joke, <laughs> this joke went sideways quick. <laughs> no, dude, it was actually very good to hang out with you, but. You and I took a picture right as we were leaving and I was like standing on a curb and <laughs> on my tippy toes on a curb and you still just like tower over me. Yeah. You were very adamant about being uphill on yeah. a curb. Yeah. Everything we could do. That's right. Yeah. Uh, God did not bless me with height, but fortunately <laughs> he blessed me with a wife. So after that, it doesn't really matter. Actually, dude, what stuck out to me getting to spend some time with you was your desire to like your genuine desire to want to follow God in this next season of life for you and to like pray through, you know, what does God have for me? I just feel like a guy with your successes and your experience and background, I feel like it'd be easy to coast, like retire, hang up the hat and just be like, I'm just going to play golf for the rest of my life, which, you know, I know you love golf and that's a big part of the fun, but I don't know, man, it was cool to just hear you say like, What's next for me in this season of life? What does yeah. God have next for me? What I motivates I don't that? even know. <laughs> I don't even know yeah. what it is. I know yet, you don't obviously. know. That, that's what was cool. But um, it was just like the fact that you were even asking, like, God, what do you have next for me? Like, what's right. motivating you to even ask that question? Well, I think it's funny because I think a part of me is like, man, I just busted my butt for 18 years in the NFL, let alone three years of college. And I might play football forever. And, and more than half of my adult life was in the NFL here in Pittsburgh at one point, obviously. And so at times I feel like, man, I just want to do nothing. I do want to just go golf and do these things, but it's like, I feel like convicted. I feel like my wife, you know, as I'm reading scripture or doing things, it's like, but wait a second, we're not made to just coast through life in my opinion. And so you may want to, or feel that way. But I also think too, like the tricky thing is why people say like, why do guys come out of retirement? Or why do guys like, because they don't have something else, like they don't have that thing that keeps them motivated, that that keeps their interest, that keeps their love, whatever it is. That could be family, it could be a job, it could be whatever. And so part of it has is that, part of it is wanting to do what I feel like I'm called to do on this earth. And God gave me amazing ability to play football, to throw football. I mean, are you kidding me? How many guys watching this, like as kids were like, I can go out and throw a ball, like and have, having fun in the backyard playing football. Yeah. Or any yeah. sport for that matter, but football, and I got to actually do it. Like, how blessed am I? And so I feel like God used me 
a little bit while I mean definitely using while I played. I may not have answered the, the calling as much as I probably should have or or he wanted me to while I played, but it doesn't mean that I'm done. Like it's almost like okay, he set this whole like we just got done doing this. Now we set the platform and everything's ready to go for the next chapter of life. Yeah. And and I played for a long time, but now it's like I can use my fame or my notoriety to like help glorify him or bring people to him or we bought a farm. Like I, I wouldn't be able to do that if I couldn't play football to right. bring people together. So, so it's just a matter of like feeling like it's the right thing to do. My wife's put all that stuff. It just, it's, yeah. it's what we're called to do on this earth. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. You said that you may not have used your time in the NFL in the ways that you could have. Do, do you have any regrets or things that you're just like, I wish I would have done this different. Well, I hate saying regrets. I wish my faith was as like as strong and, and or, my passion for reading the Bible, having a relationship with, I always knew God, but I don't think I had a relationship with Jesus. Like I wish I, I do now that I had then, because yeah. I just feel like I could have done more. I would have gone to more conferences, like where we met things like that, like to do those things, to make me better as a person, husband, father, all that stuff. Like I was so focused on football, which you have to be when you're doing what I do right. or what I did. And I do. And I, and I shared this story with you that I felt like God was telling me to do football the last two years, like just focus yeah. on that and I'll take care of everything after that. But just my relationship, I wish I had a stronger relationship with him the whole time I played. Cause I felt like I maybe could have affected more people early on. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just trust God's sovereignty in that, you know, like yeah. he, he clearly had been chasing you down for a long time. The reason we're sitting here today talking about the way Jesus has shaped our lives is because he was chasing you down which I actually want to hear more about that, but I don't know. I think every guy, 99.9% of dudes listening to this podcast right now have never played in the NFL and yet they can relate to like, man, I wish I would have been more serious about God back then. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I would, I would assume that's like you said, I assume that's most people's regrets unless you went to probably like seminary or something, you know, yeah. you like literally grew up doing it. Like I'm, I'm sure it's a lot of people's regrets, but totally. the key is like, in my opinion is, I don't care if you're on your deathbed and you're 90 years old on your deathbed and you're like, you know what? I wish I would have, but I'm doing it now. I'm giving my life to you, Christ. And yeah, you may not be able to affect thousands of people like you are because of this podcast or because I played football, but God's still rejoicing that you gave your life. Like my wife's uncle just passed away like a couple weeks ago mm. and literally gave his life to Christ on his deathbed. Wow. And so, yeah, he didn't go fill the Great Commission by bringing hundreds or thousands of people to Jesus. But I still believe that God is excited that he gave his life to Christ before he died, you know? Well, yeah, for sure. Because I say this like a million times, but the rocks and trees could cry out. Like the rock, God mm -hmm. could use rocks and trees to bring people to himself. So it's not like he needed your wife's uncle. Like, oh, okay. shoot, he waited all the way till his deathbed. And now <laughs> all these people aren't going to be saved because he didn't. It's like, God's not scrambling, you know, he's not yeah. like trying to figure it out. Right. So he's just, yeah, he's stoked that he gets to spend, he's spending eternity with mm -hmm. your wife's uncle. You said at breakfast one day that your wife is the theologian of the family. Which, she got mad at, she hit me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so many dudes listening to this podcast are like, one of the hardest reasons for them to lead their family is because they feel like their mm -hmm. wife is better at it than they are. And it's like, I mm -hmm. can work hard. I can make money for our family, keep a roof over her head, whatever. But when it comes to spiritual things, my wife just like takes the reins and she's just better yeah. than me. Well, how long you been married? 11 years. 11 years. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe it would help to first like rewind 
early into your marriage or before you got married, like where you were at with the Lord before that and where you got like, was she part mm-hmm. of you getting serious about following Jesus? I know I'm not um, really asking a question in there, but you get yeah, no, I understand. Like I, like my two minute testimony, I guess, you know, I, I, I grew up in the church and you know, every Sunday it was going to church and whatever. And then, um, when I went to college, I kind of had to decide, you know, I think when anyone goes to college, you have to make a decision because you move away from home. Most of the time you move away from home. Well, now you don't have your parents holding you accountable, like to go to church every Sunday. You have yeah. to choose to do it. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's kind of the first time in life that, that you have to make a decision when it comes to your faith, like really a big one. Sure. And, and so I wouldn't say that, like, to me, there's kind of the two paths. You either you're seeking it and you're, you're actively trying to keep, get a relationship with God, or you're just kind of like coasting. I guess you could go like down a path of like, I don't believe in him anymore. That for me, that wasn't an option. Yeah. And I just kind of went down the coast of, of the path of like, I got to play, I'm playing football, I'm focused on my school. Like I knew Jesus. I knew God had a, I was a Christian. It never changed, but I didn't have a relationship. Okay. And I think that's, that's, that's so important. I think that's, it's one thing to be a Christian and there's nothing to have a relate to, to know God and to have a relationship is completely different. And that's where I've grown. So I'm fast forward a little bit, but then all of a sudden you come to the NFL, you get drafted by a team. I got drafted by Pittsburgh, very blessed. And same thing happens. Now, again, you're on your own. You have to actively figure something out. I didn't actively look for a new church. I didn't actively do. I went to chapel with the team. I did some stuff. I wasn't doing Bible studies. I wasn't doing things on my own, reading the Bible. So I would say I was a coasting Christian. Mm-hmm. I was just sitting there and, and maybe, you know, my college coach always said you either improve or you deteriorate. You never stay the same in mm-hmm. whatever you do. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, then I guess I was probably slowly going down as a Christian because mm-hmm. I wasn't actively working on my relationship or, you know, whatever it was. So met my wife early in the, when I got here, but we just kind of were friends, dated, stuff like that. And then just trying to really figure out who I was, went through some, some tough stuff. And then all of a sudden was kind of like, I knew she was the one early on, like when we first started dating. And I told her that I was like, I I told someone that too, that I wish that I was, I would have married her earlier because Mm. everything would have been better in life. My faith would have been better and everything. So, and she did grow up in the church. So anyway, like I said, Quick story, we got married, but I still was like, when we got married, my faith was definitely was on, now I'm on the upslope. I'm definitely finding a church. I'm wanting to, and, and part of it was because of her. Like, I feel when you get married, you need to work on, you know, you, you've got to have some faith in there too, because you've got to work on things. You're going to go through things together and whatever. Yeah. So my faith was definitely was starting to improve on my faith. Not a lot, but just a little bit. But it still wasn't perfect because we had we had kids and I loved my wife. I still had a job that I loved and put probably up there pretty high on my pedestal. Yeah. And then when you have kids, we had kids pretty early in our marriage. When we have kids, all of a sudden it was like, to be honest, I probably put my it was either my kids or football first. Mm-hmm. And then either my wife or faith. Like my wife felt pretty like was not far, but she I mean fourth on the list that that's pretty high, but it's still way too low from where it should be. Mm. I definitely put my kids above my wife. Wow. It's hard to say. I probably put my kids above my faith because it's, I don't know if everyone goes through this. Maybe there's a couple of dads out there that feel this, but when you have your kid for the first time, like you feel like I'm not letting anything get between me and this kid. I'm protecting this kid. I'm like, it is your everything. Yeah. And it's very easy to sit there and say like, this is more important than my wife, my, cause I'm, I'm the dad. I'm supposed to protect my child, son or daughter. And I can see how you can even push faith. I did push faith back a little bit because this is my kid. I need to protect mm. it. Mm. I think the only thing I probably didn't, and I, I guess I, I can't say if I didn't put my football because I could have easily, I definitely took some time off of football. If I had to do something with my kid that took precedent, mm. you know, as, as a job, but 
but all in all, like just that's where our, our the status fell. And then about six years ago, I think I, as my faith was improving and getting better, I kind of had that aha wake up moment where I was drinking too much. I was, how old are the people listening to this? Can I say like pornography? Yeah. Okay. Drinking and drinking led to pornography and, and mm. uh, you know, things that just are not good in terms of relationship, obviously with totally. anybody. Totally. I still feel like I was a good dad, but not in the sense that I could have been, you know? And so anyway, I had a wake up moment about five, six years ago and where my wife was like, listen, this is not okay. This is not good. Mm. You need to get this thing figured out. Mm. And so it was just like a snap. And I like fell to my knees, prayed. We prayed together for the first time. Like I wow. told her, wow. I think the story, the story is that she comes from putting the kids down to bed, comes down the stairs and is about ready to let me have it again. Right. Like it's like, okay, I'm going around 10, whatever it is, I'm about to let them have it. And for whatever reason, I'll say whatever reason now, but we both, we all know what it is. Yeah. Whatever reason, when she walked down the stairs, I said, can we go out and like side and pray? Can I pray for us or pray? And never done that, but we had never prayed together before like that. This is like five years, four years into our marriage. Wow. I was like, can I go pray? And she was like, she's like ready. And then she's like, mm. okay. Like kind of like, oh, oh, okay, let's go see what this has, you know, like, yeah. let me, and yeah. by the grace of God, she accepted yeah. that, that invitation to prayer. And we went out and prayed and I prayed. It was probably awful. I don't even know what I said, but it was probably awful, but it was enough to kind of get us started on the right track. And since then the transition has been where God and, and my faith is number one by far. My wife is right behind that. And then my kids. And even when I was playing, football fell behind all that. And it made some people like in Pittsburgh where they're fanatics mm. a little crazy. Like, wait, football, your Steelers aren't number one? No, <laughs> yeah. they're not. I'll be yeah. honest. I'm not going to lie to you. No, they're yeah. not. They're number four on my list. Maybe five behind golf some days. Um, <laughs> but I had, um, by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, just, I mean, it was just like an overwhelming shift of like priorities. And my yeah. my priorities shifted. And so I'm, I'm so thankful. That. So that's why I'm so into like that now and trying to help people understand. And as men, I know I'm, this is a really long-winded answer to what you had asked at the beginning about being spiritual leaders, but she was definitely in the faith and church and this, that, and the other. Not that she hasn't fallen short that we all have, but she was kind of the person that got me through it and is still my rock in terms mm -hmm. of a lot of this stuff. And yeah, she's, I, I joke her about being a theologian because she loves, like she loves the Bible. Like she's mm -hmm. contemplating taking online seminary classes. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. she just, she's just in this phase of like digging into the Bible and like, what does that word, like logos, right? Like, let me, I'm, I am getting into this thing. I'm, yeah. what does that one word mean? Yeah. I'm like, it says rock. That's all. It's a rock. <laughs> right, like, what right. do you mean? What's it mean? You know? So in saying that, yes, she's probably when it comes to like the Bible, things like that, the leader in this family, for sure. I feel like I've done enough and I've, I've gotten into it more now trying to read and understand because I don't want her to, she's going to always probably be a little like, she's always going to be way smarter than me. Let's not, yeah, let's not I mean, kid herself. Yeah. <laughs> but I still would like to be able to have some answers. You know, right? You want to have answers for your kids. You don't want to be like, hey, let's go ask mom. Let's go totally. ask mom. Yeah. You want to have some answers and then maybe we can discuss stuff together. But we talk things like this and I would still say I'm the spiritual leader of our family even though she knows more about the Bible, mm. just because someone knows about the Bible doesn't mean that they have to be the spiritual leader of your family. Mm. As a man, I still lead us in prayer at night as a family. You know, we talk about things. And, and so, you know, we drop the kids off at school. All right, guys, time to pray. You Like, you know, that, so you can still lead without being the most biblically sound person in your family. That's my opinion. Bro. Okay. So much. So to very long winded. Sorry. No, that was really good. So much to unpack there.
let's camp first on that leadership portion because I think that what you just said is huge. A good leader knows that they don't have to be the smartest, but mm-hmm. a good leader takes initiative and then positions the team well, if we're using a sports analogy. 100%. Right? I'm going to get into troubled waters here because I don't know enough about football coaching to like <laughs> to make this analogy work. But <laughs> okay. I will assume that your football coaches weren't, they couldn't play the game better than you could play the game. But they knew how to put players in a position, good leaders, good coaches would put players in positions where they knew they would thrive. And that's the key there. So like for my wife and I, my wife, by the way, our wives got along great. My wife loved your wife. My yeah, wife has like she, a freak, yeah. she has a freakishly good like read on character and like just people. Yes, it it maybe, scares yes. me all the time. She, yes, she's just like, she'll too. like whisper stuff in my ear. She's like, this person's <laughs> not. I'm like, what do you like? Is this prophetic? Yeah, they feel yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, she loved your wife. We both married up. I'll speak for yes. myself. I married up for sure. Anyway, so my Layla's smarter than me. She can do things better than me. But a good leader isn't like, okay, I'm not, well, I guess I'm not going to lead because she's just smarter at me than this. It's exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. Okay, there's certain things that she does better. We'll delegate that part of the yes. team to her. And there's certain things I do better. I, a lot of what you said and what stuck out to me was just taking initiative. Like that's mm-hmm. good leadership. I'm just going to be the one to take initiative. And most dudes aren't doing that. So anyway, that was really, really good. But I want to rewind to your story because I didn't know that part. Well, of hold on. Before you go to that real yeah, quick, yeah, yeah. because it, like what you said is true. So true. Because I just got asked this question the other day. It's funny mm-hmm. you say that. Someone asked me, hey, Ben, when it comes to football, how do you feel when your coach hadn't played the position or hadn't played as a professional? Yeah. So it's exactly what you're saying. Most coaches, I mean, there are a lot of coaches that play professional, some coaches college, but how are you accepting advice or wisdom in a football from a, from a, like a quarterback coach that never played in the NFL and you're, you know, you played for 18 years. I say, well, it's, it's good. What, what you do is you accept the understanding that they probably put more time and effort in, in terms of studying the playbook, studying the opponent. And so then when they bring stuff to you, they're not telling you how to throw a football. You know how to do that. They're not telling you how to drop back to pass or hand off or call a play in the huddle. What they're doing is they're giving you their two cents or three cents, whatever it is, on what they've learned from the same. So you guys have the same goal. So it's like a marriage. You have the same goal of being successful. You're both going about it differently. I'm on the field doing the physical, working, doing those things. They... Your coach is in the sometimes in the background or or right beside you doing stuff, but their work is just different than your work. You're trying to accomplish the same goal, but you're going about it differently. And you trust that they put the work in, that they watch the film, that they're in the playbook, that they're watching your opponent. They're watching your last game to to help you with what you could have done better. They're not telling you, hey, you should have thrown it like this. It's like your read might have been here. Instead yeah. of how to throw, you know, so I just, it's interesting that I just talked about that conversation and you brought that up. That's super good because the, I think our wives will trust us if we're as serious as that coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So even though your wife may look at you and she knows, like, I probably know the Bible better than you, or I can probably pray better. <laughs> I'm more articulate sure. in my prayers better than you, whatever the mm-hmm. wife feels like her strength is, but she still respects you as a leader because she knows you've taken the quote unquote game seriously. If For you sure. were completely checked out as a husband, then it's like, well, I don't really trust you. As like, if your coach was checked out, didn't know the plays, didn't know the opponent, whatever, and you'd be like, dude, I don't, right. I don't believe, I don't Had trust those. this guy. And, and I'm and probably, butch- yeah, I'm probably butchering yeah, ahead, the analogy, but I think, but I think it's, I think it's good. It's so, great, and like you just said, like my wife is probably a better prayer than me, and all that stuff. But your wife will, and I'm talking to the, the guys out there. Your wife will absolutely love when you say, "Let's pray." I'm going to pray for the family. Yeah. I'm going to pray for you. Even if it's not that great, you'll get better at it too. Like I promise you, the first prayer that I prayed with my wife was probably not any good. 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that I'm Billy Graham. I'm not, I'm not this like, <laughs> I'm really great now, but I feel more comfortable doing it. I feel more comfortable praying in front of other people. You will get better as a man doing that, but she will absolutely love the fact that you take the initiative to do it. And like, all right, like that means the world to her that you're, every woman out there wants to be protected by her man, whether they are a big guy or they're just, but the fact that you do that, <laughs> okay, makes right, hold on. I, feel like you I didn't mean like you, you. I didn't point to you. I kind of, did, but <laughs> um, no, but they want to feel that, that, that strength. And totally. that's such an e that's a great totally. way to have strength is just praying for your family. Mm-hmm. I always say to guys, like we do a family leadership program and we talk to the guys about praying with their wife <laughs> and with their, with their kids, which for a lot of dudes, most dudes, they don't do that. It's a very vulnerable mm-hmm. thing to pray out loud and stuff. But I always say like, no just be prepared to like have more babies. Cause if you tell your wife out of nowhere, like, Hey, I want to pray oh. for you. That's gonna, she's gonna something. <laughs> listen, yeah, listen, you we, might, you we might have be busting out some more. Babies. We have prayed before bedtime, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And it makes yeah. things exceptional. <laughs> yeah, 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 builds intimacy for sure. Yes, it does. Well, bro, like I didn't know that part of your story. So going back to your testimony, when you said that you were like, you talked about drinking too much, struggling with pornography, you had her down on the list. Did she know you were struggling with these things? Or did she just sense that you were distant? No, she, well, I she knew that I was, that I was drinking. Cause I, I, I wasn't like, I wasn't a closet. Like, but it wasn't, I wasn't like a fall down drunk yeah. like that. It was just like, you know, I'm going to just, I'm drinking have, you know, especially after games, like it was a, I never, I don't do, didn't do other drugs or anything. So yeah. it was like, that's just your way to sometimes after games, like to come down off this high, just to self-medicate right. yourself in a way. Yeah. And so I, I did that. And then I don't know that she necessarily knew about the, the pornography mm-hmm. I, I until I told her, maybe she did, maybe she didn't, mm-hmm. but that like, I mean, my goodness, that led, I realized from doing that how much I was hurting our mm. like sex life because you're taking advantage of you're doing it. You're, you're being selfish. I mean, that mm. is to look at pornography, which almost, you know, is probably going to lead to masturbation other things. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it is the most selfish woman. I'm mean, listening. It's not just, it's not just men that do it, obviously, yeah. but it is a selfish act. And I was so incredibly selfish because all I thought about was myself, yeah. never thought about her. And since then, I'm like, I can proud to say that I don't do that stuff. And I can like, she checks on me. I like ask, how you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm good. But our sex life has gone through the roof mm-hmm. l- because there's no selfishness. It's such an amazing act that God gave us to do. And when you can, and I'm very blessed too, that my wife is not like stingy or anything, you know, <laughs> like so, but I just think that, yeah, you, you go through that stuff and it's just, it's amazing how much your life can change when you give it up. A lot of guys are going to probably hear that and be like, dude, I want that kind of freedom. Like they're struggling and they want that kind of freedom. Was there any, what was it that you were able to make that turn? Was it the confession to your wife? The Was it that yeah. compared with some accountability? Like probably two, probably twofold. I mean, it was probably, I mean, the big thing, my wife to the point of saying like, I'm taking the kids. I'm going to go to my parents' house. Mm. Like, well, whoa, 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 hold on. Here's mm-hmm. what's going on. This is what I'm sorry. Please don't. And then I think this, the, as a dad, whether you, as awful as this sounds like not wanting to lose your wife, you don't want to, I don't want to lose my kids either, mm-hmm. either, either one of them. Mm-hmm. And then turning my life even more, like turning my gaze, like directly to Jesus, not like kind of like one eye in one mm-hmm. eye out, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of, I yeah. think like really going there and understanding what, what's good. And then trying to be an example, a role model for my kids, because yeah. how can I come on this podcast or talk to my kids or it's the same reason I, I went 13 years after I left school to go to the pros, I went back and got my degree. How mm-hmm. do I tell my kids how important school is? Yeah. If I don't have a degree, how can yeah. I talk to kids? How can I go on speaking things? How can I try and speak life into dads or sons or whatever and say, Hey, 
this is important that you shouldn't look at porn or you should do this. And then I'm like, Oh, do I'm doing it myself. Like, how can you yeah. have that conscience or that heart to do that? So that's why it was just important for me to really stay away from it. I think a lot of dads feel that and they, what that usually leads to, I'm imagining is shame. I've talked to a lot yeah. of guys who are just like, dude, I can't have this conversation with my kids because I'm like still struggling with it. Mm. And so I think for you guys that are listening, if that's you, dude, like don't let it lead to shame. Like just let it lead to the place where it's like, dude, I got to get help in this because I want to mm. be the man that God's called me to be. One another, I didn't mean to bring up the family leadership program multiple times here, but one of the exercises we do is we have guys draw circles where there's like, what's it called when they overlap? <laughs> Venn diagram. Venn diagram. Yep. So we do that where like on one side of the circle, you write who you are in public, like what everyone would know about you, how you act in public. One is just completely in private, like who you mm-hmm. are in private, nobody sees. And then are there any words in the middle? Like you're consistent both publicly and privately. And that's usually a pretty eye-opening exercise for a lot of guys. They're like, oh, dude, I have way few words in the middle than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. But I think just like going back to the subject, like that we would just be men who are consistent all the time. I think that not only is it just integrity, like it builds righteousness, but it also just builds like freedom. Like just your heart yeah. is settled, you know, like you can catch me anytime. So light. That's the goal. Yeah. You just feel so light. And we all know what it's like to not feel light. Like when you're hiding and when you're just like, you got secrets, it just, dude, it just sucks the life out of you. It affects your it's relationships. Awful. It affects your relationship with Jesus, everything. Yeah. And you know, two things too about that, because you asked me, I didn't, I didn't touch on it. An accountability person is awesome. Yeah. And obviously me, me and my wife know everything. It wasn't always that way, but, mm. but there's, I mean, there's probably some, like, she doesn't know I got it for Christmas, obviously, yeah. um, but there's, there's things that you can share, but like for men, it's hard for us, like you say, to ask for directions, to ask for things, right? Where men, we don't do that. And so it's hard to ask for help, to ask for, to someone to, Hey, listen to, can you listen to this? Can I get your help? Yeah. So just find one person that you trust yeah. that is a like-minded Christian. And I have, I'm not been very blessed. I've got a group of guys, but there's one guy in, sp- in particular that is like my God, I can tell mm-hmm. him anything and mm-hmm. I know he won't judge me. Mm-hmm. I won't judge him when he tells me stuff. He will pray for me if I need prayer and you know, mm-hmm. pr- we pray for each other anyway. And we don't ask for, mm-hmm. but have someone that you trust and you got to be like-minded. Don't find your buddy that's down the street. That's just like a non-Christian. I mean, that you yeah. can like, have someone that can help you that's like-minded, yeah. but yeah. that you just, that you trust. And that that's just so important to have that because when you go to that person, you can pour out your heart and not feel ashamed. It's hard for us, man. Like you just said, it's hard because we will feel ashamed for something like that because we don't want to feel weak. But yeah. if you have a brother that you trust, that you can pour that into, you don't feel weak to him. If I tell him something, I'm like, dude, I, this is what happened. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Like, I don't feel like he's looking at me any kind of differently. So it's like, look, I'm looking in the mirror, telling myself the same thing, totally. you know? So it's yeah. just, if you're a man out there and you're listening to this, like have someone that you can talk to and don't be ashamed to talk to him. It's really good, man. And I'm like really grateful you shared that. Cause I imagine for you, there's gotta be a sense of, I don't know, I want to put words in your mouth, but do you feel like you have to like uphold an image? And so even just you sharing like some of your vulnerability yeah. stuff there, like, is that new for you too? I feel, I feel like it would be yeah, tough to just be like is. raw and vulnerable as a, as a normal being. It is. I never could do it till a few years ago, mm. you know, cause I, I did, I, I portrayed this image of this guy and, but that's why I guess I'm saying too, that I, I wish I would have done it earlier. I wish yeah. I could have talked about the things I needed to talk about. I wish that I would have been better in some of those areas, but now it's like, listen, I don't need to hide things. I need to just be me. 
yeah. I need to just, you know, be free in a sense. Like there's still, yeah. listen, there's still things I'm not going to just go tell totally. everybody. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think as a man, I think my wife, my wife put this, put it to me once, obviously a very wise person. She put it to me like this. When you go speak, of course, people, you know, if, if it was a question and answer, 99% of the questions are going to be, what was it like to win a Super Bowl? Who hit you the hardest? What was your favorite place to play? Like yeah, yeah. football stories. And they want to hear about me, like, like these great stories of me. Yeah. But you know what the people need to hear? People really want to hear. They want to hear the human side of you. They want to hear that you've messed up. They want to hear that you screwed up, that you've done this, you've done that. So I think that is key. That's why when I, when I go speak, like I'm, I'm unashamed to a certain extent of like telling my story because I am human. I'm normal. Yeah. I've, I've been blessed to do some amazing things, but I'm not just on this pedestal guy. Like I, I'm, I'm real. I'm, I'm, I'm normal. Yeah. Like everyone else. I have real life issues. And it gives more glory to God, bro. Like the the fact that you could say this, look, look how God crushed me in, and then mm-hmm. is building my family back up. Like only God can do that kind of stuff, you know? Yes, for sure. Well, I'm grateful, dude, that you shared that with our 6.3 billion listeners. That's really cool. Awesome. You. Yeah, I love the, it. The number one podcast. In it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you, you and I uh, making jokes about, you just started a podcast, which is really fun. Just started it. Yeah. When, it's nothing like yours, obviously. No, I need to write it. books. Stop it. This, this, <laughs> I should say our wives were making jokes at our expense at our podcast. Yes. We Very much so. Podcasts. That was a total joke. We don't have that many listeners. But as, as long as I can be Ben Roethlisberger in something, I'm going to just try to like milk that thing as much as I possibly can. Well, so. yours is the number one podcast. So I came on yours first. Now you have to come on mine. You have to reciprocate. <laughs> Definitely not the number one. Is there any part of you that when thinking through the, you know, I wish I would have been more open about these things when I was playing the game or whatever. Is there any part of you that, is drawn to like mentor any of these guys, any of the younger players that are going through stuff and like let them in on your spiritual journey. I'm definitely open to it. And I've tried, I've definitely talked to some guys and and tried to help some guys. The issue with it is guys have to be open to it, you know, which I don't know that I would have been open to it. The league does a a decent job. It does do a lot of great things, but the NFL does do some good things where they try and send people in to talk to young guys, like rookies Mm -hmm. and second year guys. And Mm -hmm. they do it all the way through, but about your money and, relationship just things right yeah. always bring someone back that the tragedy right that i blew all my money or you know don't do this and and it never fails every single one of those guys sits there and says well that'll never be me right so and me going back and talking to guys about that well, that's not you know like right. i don't have time for all that so the person has to be open to hearing it as well yeah yeah i always say when jesus said make disciples like make fishers and men i always say go after the hungry fish Cause we just will mm-hmm. waste a lot of our time beating our head against the wall, trying to like get somebody to want something that they just don't want. And so mm-hmm. I assume God's working in everyone. I'll approach everyone like that, but I'm looking for the hungry fish. I'm yeah. looking for the guys who like actually want to, uh, to be poured into and have that kind of relationship. When you're thinking through, you said, you mentioned you just got the farm. Like mm-hmm. if you were j- just dreaming and just like, all right, God, this would be super cool. If you used us and our family and our resources mm-hmm. in this next season, like what kind of dreams are you thinking about? Yeah, I mean, we we just bought a farm uh, right up the street from us, and and my hope and my I feel God calling me to do is some father son activities retreats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to connect fathers and the outdoors. You know, kind of we did this this build rebuild strengthen right. We want to build relationships that they don't have one or they're new. Strengthen ones that they already have. Build rebuild strength build rebuild if there's an issue, mm-hmm. and then strengthen that they've already you know have it. And so we just fishing horses like just anything outside i just feel like that's missing in today's world I don't know, yeah. maybe i'm just biased because i'm an outdoorman but 
I just think that we want to do that. And so that's what's on my heart is to help those kind of things. But then, like I said, we have this, I don't want to call it a retreat space because it's not really a retreat space, but it's a place that, that we can bless people with that they can go for, you know, marriage retreats or whatever it may be. We want to just basically say, listen, here's an awesome facility that you can go to and, and, and just feel closer to God because when you go out there, you just feel so free. And and so that's what we're hoping that yeah. God just uses this amazing facility that we have. And you're still building it out, right? That's the goal to build it out. Yeah. I'm so glad you came live on the dad tired podcast to talk about the dad tired father son retreat that we're going to do. That's right. Whatever <laughs> I'm telling you, whatever you want. Well, I was thinking, dude, we could just like have dads come out there. I don't know what you have yet on the property, but just like mm-hmm. bring a tent, you know, and bring your son or sons out there. Yeah. Camp. Is, I, don't know, I don't know what you have out there, but that'd be cool. No, well, definitely. We got we got a really cool barn that we redid that we can host, have some musical friends. We got Mike and Tyler come. No, we can have some people come and just, I mean, it's just a, a really neat environment. And there's a huge bonfire pit. There's a pond for fishing. We've got unbelievable gardens and orchards. And so it's just. I mean, to go like walk up to an apple tree and pick an apple and like, you know, yeah. you and your son just eat an apple or go make applesauce or apple ciders or whatever it may be. Just, yeah, yeah, it's it's just, we, we love having that stuff out there. Yeah, dude. Well, man, I'm grateful to hear a piece of your story, even getting to know you this last, I feel like we've been friends a long time now, but here's the thing, not to, I was going to turn that light, but I'll make it, I'll make it a deep thing again. That's the beauty of shared experience. Cause you and I got to spend a few days together in a row and mm-hmm. I walked away, but like, dude, I feel like that guy's my friend, you know, like a, yep. like a genuine friend. If we had just met in passing at one random event, you don't get that. It'd same, be cool, but not the same. Yeah. You yep. don't get that same kind of thing. So that's, what's cool of like, even we thinking through your farm or anything that we're trying to do at dad tired, where guys spend a few days together. Like we did our dad tired retreat this last year and guys spent three days straight with each other. And a lot of those dudes walked away feeling like they're best friends. Awesome. They had never met each other. So mm-hmm. there's, tons of power and shared experience. Like you can get three years worth of relationship packed in in three days if it's done right, which is no doubt. And that could be your accountability guy or your buddy that you talk to or whatever you you get that relationship. I've always been because of my, what I did, I always kept my circle really close. I I, I never wanted to like, even if something like this, if I would have gone in the past, I would have just been like even more back row than I was and just not just kind of keep it moving. Cause I'm always wondering what people's agendas are with me. Totally. And because I've seen it and, and you deal with it. And so I've always been just kind of arms distance, arms distance. And I think I've gotten a lot better at being able to talk to people and accept people. I'm still very close, but like in my my circle, but there's there's been a few people like the guy I told you about, like I've only known him for four years. And mm. you would think that we've known each other for, for 20, mm. you know, because we just we spend time together. And he's yeah. a good person anyway, but I totally agree with what you say. Like to have that opportunity to spend a couple of days together. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I was talking to one of my buddies about this. Like when we're kids, when we were younger, it's so easy to make close friends because of shared time. Like you're not, mm-hmm. you're in school together or you got, you go do trips together or whatever. You, you're on a team together and you spend tons of time. And then I was thinking through like, how hard is it for men to build close new friendships because we don't have excess time. Like mm-hmm. most of us don't have a ton of extra time to build relationships. So I'm, I don't have any like good answers to that other than I think if you can, like for the guys, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, how do I build these kind of deep friendships as a dad? I've got kids, I've got a full-time job or whatever. I think if you can break away, we're talking about, we do Bible study with a group of guys every week here where I live. 
just a small group of guys, but we're talking about getting away to do a camping trip, even just once a mm-hmm. year and trying to get after that. Like, how do we build this relationship? And like I said, you can build, you can like jumpstart three years in a weekend yeah. if, if it's done right. No so I think probably too, I don't know the answer to this either, but I feel like a lot of guys out there probably end up being friends with their wife's friends, husbands. Which is so makes hard. Sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So hard because yeah. just because your wives mesh, you like your friends, but you're more like friends because you have to all totally. hang out together. Yeah. So like what you're saying is so important. Like being able to find your friends. Yeah. Like it's so big. You I know, hate guys my you wife's friends, husbands, they're idiots. <laughs> I should think of someone specific that I know would listen to this. Uh, and I can't think of it. <laughs> no, that's so hard. Everyone, that's like an ongoing yeah. joke whenever I meet. If you can like couple friends, it's like that's the hardest. That was probably the underrated thing when people got married. They didn't expect it to be so hard to find couple friends. Like yeah. where the husband and wife would both get to get along. That's really, really, really hard. Um, yeah. Bro, I've really enjoyed getting to know you, man. The last however i feel weird because i feel like it's been a week <laughs> like, yeah do we just uh, become best friends yeah i know seriously <laughs> i did send you some will that's a will ferrell i try to send you some will ferrell memes and stuff yeah dude you i just really appreciate your heart dude more than anything i obviously hate the Steelers, so i'm not gonna get on that bandwagon but more than anything i just that was a joke by the way bro you got real serious like oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> listen i don't play for him anymore i don't <laughs> Just your hard dude to like be honest, figure out what this next season of life for you. I remember I heard a John Piper quote. He said, you know, as we retire, we're not meant to just like go along and collect seashells. Like God has more for you than that. And uh, and so for you, as you've settled this long career in a really hard industry, and now you're thinking through, all right, the best years of my life are not behind me when it comes to the kingdom of God. Dude, that's super cool to me. That's super yeah. cool that you're like the, the best years when it comes to measuring kingdom of God, treasures in heaven, the best years are ahead of me. And that's like, that makes me want to be Ben's friend for a long time. Cause I, th- I think yeah. that's, that's really, really cool, bro. So thanks right. for sharing a piece of your heart. I think you probably encouraged a lot of dudes by just being vulnerable. So appreciate you, dude. Thank I you. hope so. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode. As a reminder, we have a completely free community that you can join online to find other guys near you and continue these conversations. Go to connect.dadtire.com. Join for free. Again, go to connect.dadtire.com. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.